Is this on? There you go. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, so I am sharing my testimony and how the Lord um, taught me so much through spiritual warfare and um, basically sharing how the Lord taught me. Hold on. Let me figure this out. Can you tell I've never worn one of these before? Um, how the Lord taught me to use my spiritual gifts to uh, fight. And, um, yeah, so just kind of starting with my testimony, my personal testimony, and then going into sharing about spiritual warfare. So um, I'm going to pray, and then I'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share all of this, all that you have done. Um, Father, I pray that you would bless this message, Father. I pray that you would... Um, you would use me as your vessel, Lord, to speak your words. Um, Father, I pray that you would be the one giving this message. Father, you would be the one speaking to these people, Lord. And um, I pray that your, your blessing would be upon them as, as your word and your truth is spoken. In your name we pray. Amen. So from, I was probably about like five years old, and I experienced a ton of spiritual warfare. Um, when I was five years old, I had a demon in my room speaking over me in a foreign tongue, and that was kind of scary to a five-year-old, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a series of events much like that one that continued happening, but that one event instilled a lot of fear in my life. And for about 11 or 12 years after that, I was experiencing a lot of fear, um, a lot of crippling fear. Sometimes I wouldn't be able to move because of the thoughts that the enemy would put in my head. And on top of that, I would experience consistent nightmares that <clears throat> um, would also leave me in a state of crippling fear whenever I woke up, and they never seemed to stop. <clears throat> um, about two years ago, I discovered that my brother went through a lot of the same stuff, and we never told each other about it because we believed the same lie that the enemy was telling us, that people were going to think we were crazy if we started telling all of this stuff and we started talking about it, and so we just didn't talk about it. Um, we both did the same thing. We tried to talk to our youth pastor or people in the youth group at you know our church, our leaders, whatever, about it, um, seeking help because where else do you go? at the church, and it was a lot of closed doors because apparently it's a dark topic. <laughs> um, so we didn't talk about it. And uh, two years ago, when we finally started opening up about everything and sharing everything with each other, we found a lot of comfort in being able to open up with each other about it and um, knowing that somebody else went through the same thing. And that was such a blessing and such a huge part of the healing process for both of us, um, especially knowing that we weren't going to scare each other with the details. Um, so that same year, shortly after we opened up about everything, uh, to <clears throat> I went to a conference called Give God Glory, and it's a weekend of um, guest speakers and worship, and it's an amazing event. And I had been going to it for years, but um, specifically two years ago, I was just fed up with all of the fear that I was dealing with and all of the baggage that I had been carrying with me for so long that 
I told the Lord, I, I was actually in the middle of leading worship, and um, I told the Lord, I don't care what you have to do to get rid of this. I don't care what it looks like. I just don't want to be carrying this with me anymore because all of that fear and all of the darkness that I felt was just holding on to me for so long was hindering me from growing closer to the Lord. It was hindering me from even worshiping the way that I know the Lord has called me to worship. It had hindered me from doing so many things that the Lord called me to do. And I just didn't want it anymore. And I told him, I'm like, I don't care if it's embarrassing. I don't care if I fall down in front of all these people. Um, whatever you have to do to get rid of this, then do it. I'm, I'm yours. And uh, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I felt I was slain in the spirit. And that was, um, that was the first time in... I don't know how long that I had actually felt peace and all of the fear and all of the darkness that I had in my life for the first time in 11 or 12 years was just gone in an instant. And the only way that I can think to imagine, or I can think to explain it is it felt like I was in a bubble. Um, I wasn't at the conference anymore. I wasn't at, you know, I wasn't on the stage anymore. I was just in the presence of God. And there's so much peace when you're in the presence of God that nothing else can dwell there. And it's just him. And I did not want to leave. Um, a friend of mine told me afterward, she was like, yeah, you were down for quite a while. You were like, you were not moving. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't want to move. Um, <clears throat> actually, funny story. Normally, when somebody comes over and prays for you, they have somebody else there to catch you in case you do fall. And I fell the wrong way. <laughs> I was supposed to fall backward. I guess normally most people fall backwards, and I fell forward. But the pastor caught me, so it's okay. Um, but yeah, after that, um, I was spending some time just kind of by myself and in prayer and um, really trying to figure out what it was that the Lord had just done. And he helped me realize that what he did was he actually got rid of memories. Um, I had never heard of the Lord doing that before. Um, I don't know why he couldn't. I mean, obviously he can, but he got rid of those memories when I was five years old of the things that instilled the fear that caused all of those other things for 11 or 12 years. And that very thing, that, that very memory was just gone. And I can, I can tell you what happened. I have the memory of explaining and talking to people about what happened. But whenever I close my eyes, I don't see what I saw when I was five years old anymore. I don't have that with me anymore. All of those things, all of those thoughts that were coming back into my head and just left me frozen, um, it's not there anymore. And so that was such an amazing experience. Um, and after that, I was kind of left at a point of like, okay, so now what? Because <laughs> um, that had been such a huge part of my life um, that I, I was like, 
so now what do I do now that this is gone? I, I don't know what to do anymore. And um, I, I had been in like survival mode for so long um, that the Lord took me through a period of my life for about a year of just teaching me about my identity in Him and teaching me this isn't who you are anymore. This doesn't affect how I see you. Let me show you who you are and let me show you who I created you to be. And that was such an amazing season of my life to go through um, because that's, I mean, there's such a blessing in knowing who you are in the Lord and being confident in that. Um, so I do have quite a few scriptures to go through, but um, I wanted to start in Ephesians chapter 6 which Ephesians is my favorite book of the Bible. I love it. Um, talking about, like, what is spiritual warfare? Because um, you can hear a lot of... You can hear a lot of testimonies. You can hear people going through a lot of different kind of scenarios. Um, and spiritual warfare doesn't always look the same. Um, you might go your whole life without ever seeing a demon, and that... I mean, that's great. That's a good thing. Um, but there's so many different sides to spiritual warfare that it's important to address and it's important to make people aware of it because I feel like it's not talked about very often. Um, and if it is, it's, it's a very... People tend to paint a very pretty picture of what spiritual warfare is. Um, there's a lot of the, you know, Christian inspirational quotes and stuff and you know you can conquer your giants and you can you know you can do it um the truth is you can't <laughs> um it's not your goliath is not your goliath to defeat it's the lord's um so yeah just kind of going into ephesians talking about what is spiritual warfare um chapter 6 verse 12 um talks about for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So it's not a very pretty picture. It's not, it's, it's hard. It's spiritual warfare, it's warfare. You're, you're going into war. Um, and it can be really difficult to go through. Um, our battle is not against each other. It's not in politics, it's not in your family, it's not in what, you know, the church building, it's, it's a spiritual battle. At least that, that's the battle that matters, that's the battle that should matter. That's what we need to have our attention directed towards. Um, because, I mean, the Lord has given us all of the things that we need to use to fight spiritually, but are you fighting in the right area? You know, is your attention being directed towards the right battle? Um, in John chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, so there is, 
there is light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> it's not just like you're going into war and there's no way out. Um, <clears throat> the Lord will always provide for you. Um, he comes to give life and give it abundantly. And abundant life, just it doesn't mean 100 plus years here on earth. That's our inheritance, our eternal life that we have been promised in heaven with him. Um, that's our inheritance, and that's what we look forward to. Um, and the things that we fight, the things that we're fighting are, I mean, you're, you're going to experience some sort of spiritual warfare at some point in your life. It might not look the same as what it does for everyone else, or not everyone else, but it looks different for different people. <clears throat> and, I mean, it might look like, it might be difficult for you to spend time in the Word or draw close to the Lord when a family member is sick or, you know, when a family member dies. It can be really difficult to bring yourself back to Scripture. It can be really difficult to bring yourself back to the Lord. And that's understandable. Um, and the Lord knows that. He, he has given us emotions. He doesn't expect you not to feel them. Um, but it comes to a point where you have to decide, what is my focus on? Am I so focused on my emotions and what's going on in my life that I'm no longer paying attention to what the Lord has for Like, I'm not asking the Lord what he has for me in this. Or I'm no longer looking for what the Lord wants for me. I'm not asking what his will is. I'm so focused on all of the stuff that the enemy is telling me. I'm focused on all of the chaos that's surrounding me that I'm not looking for the Lord anymore. That's spiritual warfare. Um, the enemy can use so many things in your life as a distraction, and they look different for different people. Um, in First Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love this scripture because it's so hopeful and yet so blunt at the same time. Like, <clears throat> like we're not untouchable. We will go through some sort of spiritual warfare. Don't expect to just accept the Lord and go about your merry way and you're never going to experience anything. You are going to go through some sort of spiritual warfare, whatever it may look like. But after all of that, because we believe in Christ, because we have accepted him into our lives, we have this hope, which, by the way, the biblical definition of hope is absolute certainty in Christ. It's not just wishful thinking. We have this hope that one day 
we will be brought out of this. This is, on, this is only temporary. This isn't permanent. And I think, like, what a blessing it is to think about how, as believers, this is as bad as it gets, <laughs> you know? Like, here on this earth, this is as bad as it's going to get for us. Because we have this hope of eternal life with Christ. And that's such a blessing. That is such an amazing inheritance that we have been promised. Um, so going into how do we fight spiritually, because um, you know that you're going to experience stuff, but um, in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So I think something important about this specific passage is the order in which it's written. It says, first, submit yourselves to God, and then the enemy will flee from you. It's, it has nothing to do with what we can do. That None of this happens on our own strength. This is entirely about submitting yourself to the Lord, submitting everything to him, surrendering everything to him, and resisting the devil. And the thing is that <clears throat> what it means to resist the devil is not ignoring him and hoping that he'll go away, but it is submitting yourself to God. It is turning to God because in his presence, like how I experienced, nothing else can dwell where his presence is. So when you turn to him, when you draw closer to him, yeah, the enemy's going to flee because he can't be there. Because our God is so mighty and he is so great and awesome and powerful that nothing else can be there. So to resist the devil, you turn to the word, you turn to prayer, you fall to your knees and you magnify the Lord and you worship him because he's worthy of it. And in the midst of that, the enemy will flee from you. So submitting yourself is such a huge part of um, spiritual warfare and it's it's a good starting place. <laughs> um, in Acts chapter 19, I think it was. Sorry, I forgot where I was for a second. <laughs> um, I might just read this whole passage, actually. So a, a huge part of spiritual warfare is the authority that we have been given by the Lord. But that is not by any means to be mistaken for our authority or the power that we have. We don't have any power. We don't have any right to cast anything out or to pray anything out or to defeat any enemy that we have. It's the power of the Lord because he dwells in you that you are able to speak his name, and that has power to cast out demons. That has power to break chains. 
and to free you from whatever it is that you're dealing with. It's because of him that we are able to do this. It has nothing to do with us. Um, something that I, I wanted to read, um, a passage that I, I actually find it kind of funny, is um, in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 11. Um, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. You could really just stop there and say, I mean, God was the one doing the miracles. Paul wasn't the one doing the miracles. He used Paul. Paul made himself a vessel for the Lord to use, and it's because that miracles were being done. Um, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the um, itinerant Jew, Jewish exorcists undertook the, uh, to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Seba were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Again, at the end of that, the, it's the word of the Lord that continued to prevail. Um, I see so often... <coughs> people who mistake that power for their own and that's a very dangerous thing to believe in it's not your power without the lord dwelling in you we are empty we have nothing to we have no life-giving words to speak we have nothing to give nothing good to give because Jesus is all things good and all things powerful and all things wonderful. So in talking about in like um, in Proverbs uh, 4.23 that talks about guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. You need to ask yourself what is the foundation of my heart? What is dwelling in my heart? Because if it's not Jesus then Jesus isn't in the words that's coming out of your mouth. It doesn't matter if you're speaking the name Jesus. If you do not have him in your heart, then you're just speaking blasphemy. So draw near to the Lord. Make sure that he's the one who is on your heart and on your mind constantly because it's in that that you find power. It's in that that his authority has power in the words that you speak over yourself, over other people, over your family. His word, his truth, his name alone, when he dwells in you, has the power to break chains and his name alone. It's nothing that we can do. It's, we have no power to do any of this on our own.
Um, going back to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in uh, verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having felt fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Something so cool about... <clears throat> it's, it's really quite convenient that the Lord placed it all in a nice little book that we can carry around with us, because this is all of it. This is salvation, this is truth, this is peace... This is, this is what we fight with. Um, no other words from anyone else, no other book has the power to do that. It's his word and his word alone that you arm yourself with. And I can honestly tell you that you're not going to want to arm yourself in the middle of a battle. It's previous to whatever you're going through, you need to make sure that it's in those quiet moments, in those moments that you're resting, in those moments that you're just sitting on your front porch enjoying being in the Word, because all is well with the world. <laughs> it's in those moments that you arm yourself, because it's not always going to be that way. You make sure that you know the word and you know it well, that it's what's on your heart and on your mind, so that when you go into spiritual warfare, when that comes, you're ready for it. You, you don't see soldiers gearing up in the middle of a war. It's before they go into war that they are prepared and they are well geared up, and you need to be prepared. And it's not only in reading the Bible, and that, that is a very important part, but it's also in going into prayer. It's also in the way that you worship. Are you spending your time, I guess this is a good way to say it, when you're in the middle of all of this chaos, whatever it is that you're going through, The Lord wants your heart. That's all he ever wants from us. He just wants your heart. He wants your genuine heart. And if you are more genuine in the middle of all the chaos, praying, crying out to God, saying, where are you? I can't find you. Say something, because I can't hear you in the midst of all this. If you're more genuine in that moment than trying to be a good Christian and reading your daily word and just checking it off of the list, he wants to hear you crying out. He wants your genuine heart. And by the way, it's okay to be mad at God. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I mean, this is the God of the universe we're talking about. I think he can handle our little tantrums. It's in the midst of all of that that he wants your genuine heart whatever that looks like. Whatever you have, that's what he wants. That's all that he wants. 
whatever the enemy tells you is broken or it's stained or doesn't matter or like you're not whole or you have nothing to give, that's what the Lord wants. Because when the Lord takes that, he turns it into something beautiful. He turns it into a testimony that I'm able to share with you guys. He turns it into something that you're able to proclaim to other people that, hey, I was broken and I went through all of this and it wasn't fun, but look what God did. Look what God turned it into. There is always something for you that the Lord has for you in the midst of all of it. But are you looking for it? Because you're going to hear two voices when you're in the middle of all this. You're going to hear a voice that's telling you, your life is a mess. I mean, have you looked around you? Have you looked in the mirror lately? You've been wearing the same pair of sweatpants for the past three days. You haven't read your Bible. You don't even know where it is. And your life is just chaos right now. What are you doing? And then you'll also hear a voice that says, hey, I love you. I'm still here. I know it's hard, but I see you. I understand what you're going through. Talk to me. He just wants your heart. He doesn't want the, what the perfect Christian is supposed to look like and check off the list that you read your Bible today. He wants your heart. That's what it looks like to surrender to the Lord. It's not necessarily... <laughs> falling on the floor and just not, you know, not wanting to move. Sometimes that is what it looks like, but it starts with where your heart is. When you're going through so much stuff, when you're going through spiritual warfare, are you holding on to all of this stuff just because you don't know what to do with it? Or are you going to surrender your heart to the Lord because it's safest with him? It's not safe with us. We, I mean, we break our own hearts <laughs> pretty regularly. But him being the one who created you, the one who designed you, the best thing that you can do is to surrender yourself to him, to place yourself in his hands because you're safest. That's where you're safest. And that's when he takes all of the baggage, all of the darkness, all of the sin, whatever it was, he's able to work when you actually give yourself to him. The Lord didn't do all of this stuff in my life when I was in the middle of dealing with it because I didn't give myself to him yet. It was the exact moment when I said, I don't care what it looks like, I'm yours. That's when he started working. The Lord wants to heal you. He's a healer. It's his name. But are you going to let him heal you? He is your deliverer, but are you going to let him deliver you? You need to get to the point where you surrender yourself to the Lord and say, okay, I'm yours. And that's where it starts. That's where you have to start. Because then, from that point on, it's the Lord doing all the work. <laughs> it's when you surrender yourself and say, okay, I, I let go, this is yours. 
that's when he gets to work and that's when he starts healing, that's when he starts delivering, that's when he starts breaking chains, when you let him. <clears throat> the result of all of this um, in Isaiah 54, 17 is no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Romans 8, 37 says that in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. This is who he calls us. He calls us conquerors and he calls us triumphant because of him. This is what he died for. He didn't die for perfect people. He died for broken people. We are broken, but it's when you take all of those pieces of your brokenness and bring it to him, he creates something beautiful. I heard this on, um, on the radio a few years ago about if you have a clay jar, a perfect clay jar, and you put a candle inside of it, and you put a lid on top, you're not able to see any of the light. But it's when that jar is cracked and broken, the more cracked and broken that it is, the more you're able to see the light through it. Because Jesus dwells in us, when you decide to accept him, when you decide to accept that, whatever brokenness you have is made beautiful. Whatever baggage that you have, it's turned into something beautiful because of him, not because of anything that we do. We can't turn our brokenness into something beautiful, only he can do that. But there's such a comfort in knowing that as soon as you give all of this to him, as soon as you surrender all of it to him, that's what he does. Um, talking about how he calls us conquerors. Something, an, another area of um, spiritual warfare is the enemy will, he's very good at putting labels on people. Um, and I am so glad that the Lord took me through that season of teaching me what my identity is in him because before I was able to understand how he sees me I was just listening to the lies of the enemy and saying I'm stained I'm broken I'm not pure I'm not I don't have it all together I'm not the perfect Christian but when you allow the Lord to show you how he sees you, there's so much freedom in that. Not just freedom in like, so when, when you know who you are in Christ, you can stand confidently against the enemy and say, I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the king. I am a son of the king. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And there is so much power in that. But there is also freedom in having to ever believe whatever lies the enemy told you in the past. When you accept Christ, you accept this new identity as a child of God, you have to let go of whatever identity it was that you had before. Whatever identity the enemy told you that you had, or whatever, whatever identity you believed that you had, that's not who you are. 
because that's not who the Lord calls you. That's not how he sees you. There's um, a song by, some of you know Ryan Henry. Um, he wrote a song called Mirrors. And we've sang it here a couple of times. But um, the chorus, the first time I heard this song, I was an absolute mess. Um, and it was in the middle of this season where the Lord was teaching me about my identity and all of this. And um, the chorus is so powerful, talking about how the Lord sees me. And um, I just wanted to read through it real quick. It says, I see righteousness. I see holiness. I see purity. I see royalty. I see faithfulness. I see truthfulness. I see self-control. I see forgiveness. I see perfect love. I see perfect peace. I see endless joy. I see mercy. I see steadfast hope. I see courage strong. I see perfect trust. I see the battle won. I see the lowly son. I see the lamb of God. I see the most high king. I see the lion. I see the power of God. I see all things made new. I see your handiwork. I see my life in you. And when I heard that, knowing that because I am covered by the blood of the Son, that's what Christ sees when he looks at me. That's what Christ sees when he looks at you. He sees the Son. He sees righteousness and holiness. He sees all of these things because of what Christ has done in you. That's what he died for. He died for us to be able to, to be all of these things because that's who he is. If we are made in the image of God, that's who he wants us to be. When we are covered by the blood of his son, when you accept Christ, that's now who you are because that's what he sees when he looks at you. And no other identity matters. Nothing else that the enemy tells you you are, that doesn't matter because it's not truth. It's not truth. Everything that you find in the Lord's word, everything that you hear from him and him alone, that is truth. How awesome is it to know that he speaks all of these things over us and we can trust that it's true because he speaks truth. So when the Lord tells you you're not broken, you're beautiful, when the Lord tells you I know what the enemy has told you, but that's not true, you're a son of the king, you're a daughter of the king, you can believe it. You can accept it because he speaks truth. In um, Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> starting in, well, in verse 15, um, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This temporary suffering, this temporary um, world that we live in, all of the things that we go through, you have to think about, like, Jesus went through it too. He went through all of it. Whatever it is that you're going through, he understands what you're going through because he lived through it. And I think, like, I think about his grace and his mercy, just how, I mean, just how much he loves us, that he was willing to go through everything that a human could possibly experience just so that he could be able to relate to us, just so that he could tell us, I know what you're going through. I see you, and I'm still here. Because it's in this submitting yourself to the Lord that we can also be resurrected with him as well. You can be brought out of whatever darkness it is. You can be brought out of the sin, out of the bondage, out of the darkness, all of it. You can be resurrected with Christ because that's what he calls us to be. He calls us to be risen with him. He calls us to be heirs of Christ. He calls us his own. He calls us his children. And that's who we are. <laughs> it's, it's, you have to come to a point where, and I'm, I'm still struggling with this. I think we all will constantly battle with being able to really accept how Christ sees us. Because I don't see myself as holy. I don't see myself as, you know, I, I see all of the things that I fall back into. I see all of my faults and I see all of the, you know, the moments that I fell and um, I see my failures. And it's so difficult for me to understand or to accept that he doesn't see all of that. He sees his son. He sees his daughter when he looks at you. Um, <clears throat> in First Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What I love so much about this passage is that it's not, um, the, this new identity that you have accepted when you accept Christ. It's not a free pass to heaven. There's a purpose. You have a purpose now. There's work to be done <laughs> when you accept this identity. And you're purpose is to proclaim what Christ has done. When the Lord does something in your life, you don't just kind of roll with it and like, oh, hey, thanks, that was cool. Let me just move on with my life. You proclaim what the Lord did. You make it known to people what the Lord did, what he has done for you, what he will do, what he can do for others. You proclaim that. That's what he has called us to do. That's our purpose. 
is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you do have the choice to decide who the glory goes to. Is it going to go to you? Are you going to tell people that you handled it, that you, you just you took care of it, it's no big deal? Because you didn't. You have to be very careful when the Lord does something in your life to make sure that all of the glory goes to him, always. He's the one worthy of the glory. He's the one who did all the work. <laughs> He's the one who's worthy of the glory, not us. So you have to make sure that the glory always goes to him. I think it's so awesome to look back on the things that the Lord has done in my life, in my family's life, and to see the Lord's hand in it. Despite all of the things that the enemy did, I can look back and see the Lord's hand in it. I can see now, oh, that's what you were doing. That's what you had for us in that. When I was going through 11 or 12 years of all of this junk, I was just lost. I'm like, I, I don't know what the Lord has for me. Is this just who I am? Is this, I just have to deal with this now? But being able to be in front of you to share this with you, to share this with other people, that's what the Lord has. Because something I've experienced is in, whenever I have shared my testimony with other people, it's, I've never, I, not once have I ever gotten, wow, that's kind of dark. <laughs> or like, geez, you really, you really went through all of that? I have heard so many times people saying, okay, so I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. If you've ever experienced any sort of spiritual warfare, no matter what it looks like, you're not the only one. The enemy will try to tell you that you're the only one, but you're not. And there is so much freedom in exposing the enemy for what he is because he loses his grip. Your freedom is your anchor in the word. That is what frees you. It's when you have this constantly with you, living in you. It's a living word. It's not just words written on a page. It's alive. When you speak these things, when, when you speak the truth over your life, over the lives of others, when it's living in you, yeah, you have the authority to cast things out. Yeah, you have the authority to speak Jesus' name over, over everything. And spoiler alert, we win. <laughs> we win because he is the victorious one and he lives in us. He dwells in us. It's that living power. It's that freedom and that peace that when the Lord gives it to you, it overflows. It's, it's not your job to just hold on to it for yourself. It overflows. Because the Lord will keep on giving and he will keep on providing and he will keep on giving peace and love and joy for you 
to proclaim what he has done so that other people can accept that as well. It's contagious. <laughs> it is. His joy and his love is so contagious that when you have it, when you have tasted it, you don't want to just hold it on. You, know, you don't want to hold on to it for yourself. You want other people to know what it's like. I want other people to know that whatever it is the enemy has done in your life, he's not the one who has the last say. He's not the one who speaks. He's not the one who has the last word. Jesus is. So let him speak over your life. Surrender yourself to him and let him speak truth and freedom over your life and fill you with it so that you can overflow. It starts with what you're going to accept. You can't give anything to other people if you haven't been filled with it first. So let the Lord fill you with it so that you can then begin to pour it out onto other people. And there's so much freedom. Bondage isn't the end of it. It feels like it is <laughs> when you're in the middle of it. It feels like that's all that there is and that, that's, that you just can't do anything about it. But that's a lie of the enemy because the Lord tells us that we have freedom. The Lord tells us that we have this promised eternal life with him. That's our inheritance. And there is so much freedom. Um, in John chapter 8, <coughs> Um, verse 6, I think. No, that's not. Maybe I wrote down the wrong one. Anyway, but talking about for, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And he, you have to realize that there, there was a price to be paid for our freedom. Our freedom wasn't free. He freely gives it, but he paid for it with his life. But the power that rose from the grave three days later is the same power that lives in us. And it's with that power that you can speak over your life, that you can proclaim Jesus' name over your life. It's that power that breaks chains, that you can say, I'm, I'm done dealing with this. In Jesus' name, be healed. I break these chains in Jesus' name. Because he dwells in you, because that power dwells in you, yeah, his power in you has the power to do all of that, and it frees you. Who Christ sets free, he is free indeed. And that's truth, because he speaks it over you. So, I have, I have been so blessed to be able to stand in front of people, and I hate public speaking, <laughs> um, but to be able to stand in front of people and to proclaim what the Lord has done to show people that 
he sees you, he understands you, and he loves you. And it's in accepting that that there's so much freedom from whatever it is that you're going through, whatever spiritual warfare you're going through, which looks different. But there's so much freedom in him alone. And the thing is that he alone is enough. He is enough. It's there, there are some times where the Lord will show you a miracle. He will give you a miracle because he sees that you need it and he provides it when you ask. But without the miracle, Jesus is still enough. Without the healing, because sometimes Jesus choose not, chooses not to heal, he's still enough. Just who he is is enough. Or it should be. Sometimes we don't always think it's enough. And we go looking for freedom and joy and other things which doesn't last. But he is enough. And I think about what a blessing it is to come from where I have gone and be able to look back and see what the Lord did. And I, I can't imagine ever going through all of that without the Lord. Because that would not be fun. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so, <clears throat> anyway, thank you for letting me um, share all of this with you. Um, yeah, let me let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for. Um, giving me the opportunity to uh, speak your word and to speak what you have done. Um, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would t continue to speak your truth and your freedom um, into our lives, Father. I pray that you would continue to pour out um, into us, Lord, so that um, we might overflow. Father, I pray that our cup would overflow into the lives of the people around us with your truth and your joy and your freedom. Um, so, Father, I thank you so much for all that you have done, for all of, um, just for who you are, Lord. I thank you that there is so much freedom in who you are, and I thank you for providing for your constant provision, Lord. We thank you that you call us your children, and we accept it, and we love you. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.